audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Well, good morning, church. I, I hope that um, I hope that you had a great week. Last week we started into started back into I guess is a better way of saying it started back into 1 Corinthians together and specifically last week we started to look at spiritual gifts in the church what a timely topic already uh, I know that I've, I've talked with several of you who are wrestling with God how did you create me how am I supposed to be used here I know that many of you are asking you know God, you've brought me to Stone Oak Bible, but now what? And so this has been such a timely conversation. Uh, last week, we also laid some foundation. And, and this week, what I'd like to do is to kind of build off of that foundation and kind of continue on in that. And so last week, we saw a few things that I want to kind of set before us as we continue. First, as we consider spiritual gifts, as we think about the way that God, through his Holy Spirit, has designed you, equipped you, and, and blessed you with, with gifts to be used in the church. The first thing we saw and the first thing we realized last week is you are not spectators in God's plan. You are not spectators to the ministry going on in our city or our church. No, you are designed and equipped to be a participant. More specifically, God has not given you to Stone Oak Bible Church to spectate what God is doing. God has given you, placed you here to be a conduit to what God is doing. And that is a beautiful thing to realize. The second thing we saw is that God's plan, including the gifts of the Spirit, that God's plan um, is about God's glory. His plan is about his glory, not ours. And we get confused, we get a little lost when we forget this. When we start to think that we're the point, when we start to think that our um, benefit is, is really the top priority here, we, we start to get off track when we forget that all of this, all of it is given to us for the glory of God. And when we bring our God glory, it is, church, for our greatest good. These are, these are huge. You are a participant in God's plan, which is for God's glory. And then the third thing we saw last week that we want to kind of set the foundation with is that God's plan to gift you through the Holy Spirit, to give you these spiritual gifts, it is for their good, for the common good, as we saw last week, for the good of your brothers and your sisters. In other words, you're not the recipient of these gifts for yourself. No, you have been given these gifts to be the gifts to this church, to your church. And this is, this is just profound. Again, it's God's desire that Stone Oak Bible Church would be a better, more healthy, more vibrant, more gospel-driven and centered church because you're in it. That's God's plan for us. When we talk about spiritual gifts and we need to this is what it's all about. You are, our, you are a participant. It is all for his glory, and it is all for their good. Now, having said that, I want us to consider where we're, where we're headed. And I, um, 
I want to build on it, and I want us to consider for a moment a body, uh, a human body. Now, I've studied the passage we're going to look at. I've read it for, for years. I don't think I've ever actually taken the time to do this, and it really was helpful. Think about a human body, like in high school, anatomy 101, all right? Just think about that little diagram with the, with the body here. A body, in a body, there are so many parts. There are so many members, aspects of the human body that need to come together in order for that to be a functioning human body. Um, Things like the old song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, right? All of them need to come together. You have systems like the digestive system, the endocrine system, muscles, all of these things coming together to make up a body, a human body, all so many parts, all vital for human function, all vital. So let me state the obvious here. Having said all that, the body, your body, a human body, is not all one member. It's not all one kind of member. In other words, it's not a collection of only big toes. It's a weird one to choose, but... Now I'm realizing that. Um, It's not a collection of hands. It's not a collection of abdomens, right? That's creepy. That's weird. That's not a human, that's not a human body. You follow me when we get it, when we when we're thinking about anatomy 101, we can get this. Instead, a body is a collection. Many different parts, many different functions coming together to form one body. Human anatomy 101. Well, church anatomy 101 turns out is very similar. Turns out it is strikingly similar. The body, the church, is a collection of many parts, many different kinds of members, and that collection coming together is what makes a human body, and it's what makes the church body. The body is not a collection of like parts, The church is a collection of diverse parts, diverse gifts, diverse people. It's a collection of all different people coming together, performing different functions as a part of one body. And we're going to shift our our focus here back to 1 Corinthians 12. But as we do, would you just keep that in your mind? Because Paul is going to kind of unpack this over the next couple weeks. But keep that in your mind And keep in mind that Paul is dealing specifically with spiritual gifts, how the Spirit has uniquely equipped us in the context of the church. And with that that said, look with me at verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, we say this a lot, uh, but it bears repeating because God's word seems to repeat it a lot. And here we're able to see it again, that in Christ, there is no distinction. In Christ, there is no separation between us based, as this text says, based on race or socioeconomic standing. 
Paul says, we are one. We are made one, the Jew and the Greek, the slave and the free, one. The church, when we, when we as the church are divided over race, when we as the church are d- divided over social standing, rich or poor, or as we're about to see, when we as the church are divided over our spiritual gifts, when we divide ourselves over these things, we show that we have fundamentally forgotten who we are in Jesus Christ. We show that we have fundamentally just forgotten our gospel identity. We cannot defend racism or classism in light of the gospel. And for all that have tried to do so in history, I want to be very clear, they were wrong. And that was sin. Because the work of Jesus Christ, there is no dividing wall. And we see it again here. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and we celebrate this this man, this movement, really, who, who said loud and clear that we should not be segregated by the color of our skin. And we as the church need to just say yay and amen to that. This is the gospel message. We should have been earlier on this, in this game. Yay and amen to that because in Christ we are one man, one new man. This is beautiful. We're reminded of this. Uh, I, I thought of Ephesians 4 where Paul kind of just goes off on this and he gets a little repetitive, but you repeat what's, what's important, right? I wanted to read just a, a part of this. In, in uh, Ephesians 4, 3, it says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Listen to this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Are you trying to tell us something, Paul? Are you trying to say one, we are one in Jesus Christ? So here's why I bring this up. Think about this. Through much of this letter in 1 Corinthians, we've been seeing Paul call us to unity. Unity, which is beautiful. We've seen it all throughout this letter. Being united in Christ, standing against division. We definitely see that here again. But follow me. This text is not a call to uniformity. Unity, yes. Uniformity, absolutely not. Where everyone is the same, where everyone is the same kind, where the community all needs to start to look the same, act the same, think the same. No. Again, if we think back to our body analogy, that's weird. If we think back, that's not how bodies work. Anatomy 101, bodies are a combination of diverse things coming together to make the whole in unity. That's what the body is. Uniformity is not God's plan for his church. If you need any proof of this, just read Revelation where it talks about the end of all of this. Uniformity is not the picture painted. Diversity is the picture that is painted United under Christ. That's what is, the gospel is not owned by any one group or kind of people. Transcends. This letter, it's a call to unity, yes. 
But even more than that, this right here is a call to diversity. This is a call to diversity. Not a call to look like one another, but a call to love one another. Call to serve one another. That's what's on display here. Verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Please understand, unity is not the same as uniformity. Please understand. Unity is not uniformity. Where unity can and should happen in the midst of our diversity, uniformity will seek to eliminate diversity. We'll seek to eliminate it. Uh, uniformity is just, it's creepy. It's dysfunctional. It's not the way a body's meant to work. It's not the way this body is meant to work either. Um, this is not the picture that, that Christ paints for his church. And if you come to a church and the first thing you're looking for is, does this church look like me? Act like me? Does this church, um, are they the, the, do they all have the same gifts as me? The same passions as me? Are they all in the same age, stage as me? If that's what's on our mind, we have missed it. And if that were the case, if everyone here were just like you, you wouldn't need anyone here because you got it covered. If everyone here were just like you, you wouldn't need anyone here. But as it is, you are surrounded by people right now, surrounded by people who see things differently than you do who have different perspectives than you do, who have different gifts than you do. That is beautiful. You are surrounded by people that you need. God has brought beautiful compliments and, and to your giftings here, and they're all around the room. That is incredible. This text is a call to diversity, a unified diversity. Now, let's continue on. This is why Paul concludes by saying this in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Our prayer, church, is to look around and to see unified diversity in our congregation. All of us different, yes, different gifts that we're going to talk about, yes. But all of us submitted to Jesus Christ under the authority of his word, that this could be a place where you can come with a diversity of gifts. A diversity of gifts. And that you could come from all walks of life, ages, stages, ethnicity, with unique passions and gifts, as we're going to continue to talk about. That you could come here and, and be united under Christ in the truth of his word and that we could be one. That's the prayer. That's the prayer, not uniformity, but unity in our diversity. And Paul continues here to press into Anatomy 101. Now listen to this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. Now, as far as anatomy goes, we get that. All right, we, we get that. It's ridiculous to think that since my foot can't type, it's worthless. Cut it off. That's ridiculous. We get that. It's, it's ridiculous to think that because my ears can't see as well as my eyes can, they're not needed. Just, just get rid of them. No one here loves amputation. No one. That's, we get that, right? We, we get that. But how often is that the attitude we carry into the church? How often do we look around at all of the hands doing all of their hand things? Writing, typing, snapping, clapping. We look, we see all of that, and we're afoot. And we think, well, I'm worthless. I can't, I can't snap like them. Have you ever tried to snap with your foot? You can't do it as well as that hand can. And we think, oh, I'm not, I don't have worth like they do. I can't do those things, so I must not be as important. Let me give you another uh, analogy. Let's bring this closer to home. Maybe you're here and you would say, I see the teachers. Those who have the spiritual gift of teaching, I see them standing in front of people and talking. I see them teaching, and I don't do that. I don't feel called to do that. I don't feel like it's me. I wouldn't do it like they did. I, I must not be as important. I must not be as important. Church, that's equally absurd as a foot telling a hand that I'm not needed. That's equally absurd. Uh, let me give you another example. My dad is a pastor. Uh, he's a pastoral care pastor, which means that basically he gets to love people. That's his job description. It's, he's very good at it as well, as you're about to see. Um, my dad has the spiritual gift of mercy. He does. And uh, I know several of you actually in this room share that gift in common with him. Um, I was always a bit envious. Honestly. I was always a bit envious. I would, uh, I would see the way he cared for people. I would see the way people would just be drawn to him, like a magnet. People were just drawn to him. In times of trouble, they need to talk to Pastor, Pastor Larry. In times of joy, where's Pastor Larry? I need to talk to him. They were drawn to him. I remember several times that this would happen. So uh, there, was several, there were several years uh, that we actually were on the same pastoral staff. And um, at, this, this, at the same church at the same time, and at the end of every service at this church, um, there would be a time available for prayer. And, and what they would do is at the end of the service, there would be like six to ten pastors that were on staff that would all um, come forward to the front of the auditorium to just be available for prayer as the service concluded. We'd all be there, and we'd be lining up, right? And here's what would happen so many times. I would come up there. I would come up there with seven of my pastoral friends, right? It was awesome. 
And um, almost every week, my dad would be one of them. He would, he would come up as well. And uh, it didn't take long for me to realize something. Maybe one person would come to me, maybe, and I was never their first choice. And I would look around and I would, I would realize, huh, all of the other pastors don't have anyone either, except for my dad. He would have like a waiting line of 12 people lined up, waiting to pray and to talk with Pastor Larry. So all of us pastors were like, well, let's go. Can I pray with you? <laughs> no, nah, no, I'm good. I'll wait. I'm like, <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. Did my, did my dad have a more direct connection with God? Is that what it was? I mean, what was it? No. It's because they knew my dad. They felt God using him through his gifts. They felt his gift of mercy. He, he had this gift and his mercy and his compassion was just being used for the good of the church and for the glory of God. And every week, all of us other pastors would look on in jealousy. <laughs> and we would see God just using him. Uh, in fact, someone who reminds me a lot of that in our church, I didn't tell him I was going to say this, is Dan Langham. If you've ever met Dan, he's one of our elders here. It is very clear that man has the gift of mercy. It is, it is beautiful to see how God brings this together, equipping us each so uniquely. And certain parts are going to shine in certain situations. And that's beautiful. That is incredible. But no one part is more valuable. No one part is unneeded. No one part is useless. Let's bring this back to Paul's analogy. We get it right when it comes to anatomy. Anatomy 101. This is why we're not fans of amputation. This is why. Because all parts are important. I don't want to lose any of them. All parts are important to the body. But how often, church, do we feel this way about the church? How often do we feel like we aren't, because we're not like them, we're not as valuable, we're not as important to the body. This is crazy. A foot is a foot, and praise God it's a foot. You need it. The same is true for the body. It's crazy to think that just because an ear is not an eye, that I should disregard it. No, no. You're, just as your physical body needs all its part, its it parts, its feet, its hands, its eyes, its ears, church, your church, Stone Oak Bible Church, needs all of its parts. Needs all of its parts. And just as you are not a fan of amputation on your physical body, we here at Stone Oak Bible Church are not a fan of amputation to our church body. You are needed. The church needs you. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? To say it clearly, you belong here. 
Church, if you hear nothing else, this is foundational. You belong. You belong. You are here for a purpose. God puts you here for a reason. You are not a mistake. Eyes, ears, hands, feet all serve a purpose. In the same way, you are here not by accident. You serve a purpose. So I need to ask, do you know what that purpose is? Do you know why God has you here? And I don't ask this rhetorically. I asked this question seriously. What has God placed you in this church to do? What has God placed you here for? Do you know what gift God has given you? And do you know how to put that use, uh, put that gift to use for his glory and for their good here at your church? Do you know? Unfortunately for too many of us, the answer to one of those is no. Maybe you're here and you have no idea what your gift is. Maybe you're here and um, you know what your gift is. But you have no idea how to use it. You have... No idea how to use it. Either way, one of the most beautiful things and beautiful ways that we can bring glory to God and we can find our place in his church, one of the most beautiful things is when we know how God's created us and when we know how to use it for his good and their glory, or for his glory and their good in the church. Let me, um, let me ask you something. Have you ever felt like God made a mistake? Have you ever, I mean, theologically, you would say, no, God doesn't make mistakes, right? I get that. I get that. But have you ever felt like, God, this was a whoops? Like, I know me. Uh, I'm here, and I think I know what gift you gave me, but why? I don't know how to use it. I don't know what value I have. I, I talked to someone this week, and um, as we were talking, he was talking about his spiritual gift, and one of his spiritual gifts happened to be mercy. Same gift that, we, that I just talked about my dad having, uh, mercy. And, and we began to talk about how for the longest time he thought, mercy? Come on. Like, really? Is is there another gift that I can kind of have in connection with that? Does that mean that, like, I'm just the guy that just is weepy and compassionate? Like, what does this mean? Like, for the longest time, he wasn't able to see how incredibly beautiful and the huge value that was in his gift. And I don't think he's alone in feeling that way. I mean, God, hospitality, I mean, discernment, teaching, have you met me? <laughs> Whatever it may be, it's like we stand here and we say, God, do you know me? Is this a mistake? It's like the Moses thing where, wait, I don't talk good, right? How often do we do this? This can't be right. I want to read to you verse 18. Oh, I love this. But 
As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Let me read this for you again. Let me read this for me again. You ready? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Okay, I want to read it one more time. And this time I want to make it just a little more personal. But as it is, God arranged the members of Stone Oak Bible Church, each one of them, as he chose. You are not here by accident. You are here by divine choice. Divine choice. You have been arranged. You are being arranged here as he chose. How incredible is that? You belong here. You have a purpose here. You're not an accident here. Church, can you imagine if we all grasped that? If we all got that? Can you imagine being a part of a church family like that? To see the beautiful diversity, people walking out in their own gifts and to see the unity in Christ. Here's the thing. This isn't a crazy dream out there that one day a church will get this. No, this is actually God's plan for his church. This isn't a crazy, you know, we'll just shoot in that direction and hope we get there. No, this is actually God's plan for his church. It's God's plan for our church. Now, will we be perfect at this? No, not until Christ returns. But this is God's plan, and this should be characteristic of his church. Beautiful, unified diversity. In thinking about this, um, church planting is a scary thing. Church planting is terrifying. And it really should be if you think about it. Um, Our church is a little over two and a half years, and I knew then exactly what I know now. I have limitations. I am one guy who does not have all the gifts. I know that I have blind spots, and I know that if I were the church, that church would be puny. It would, blah. I knew that then. I know that now. And that's what makes starting a church a really terrifying thing. Because you look around, and you think, all right, God, you promised, Jesus, you promised you would build your church. I look around, and if you don't build here, if you don't bring the people, if you don't bring the right people, we've got nothing. We've got nothing. But praise God for the truth of verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, 
as he chose. From the very beginning, God has been forming something together here that's just blown my mind. The diversity of people that he's brought here. The diversity of gifts um, is just, it's incredible. The way that he's brought and he continues to arrange. He continues to arrange here. Um, I believe that God is building and God is arranging here in our church. And some of you, although you might be new, uh, some of you might be here and you're, you just maybe haven't found your sweet spot yet. I get that. But hear me. I believe that God is building something and arranging something here as he chooses, as he chooses for his glory, for our good. And I believe you're here for a purpose. I don't believe you're an accident here. I believe there is going to be ministry flowing out of our church that would not be possible if God didn't bring you That's God's plan for his church. I want to finish our time together talking about something kind of obvious. Um, The body, in Paul's analogy, is the church. It's It's the gospel community, right? It's the gospel community. A community of faith that's been shaped by the gospel. I want you to hear me. Any conversation about spiritual gifts... Any conversation about spiritual gifts that doesn't drive to gospel community is dangerous, incomplete, and misleading. Any conversation about spiritual gifts that does not drive to gospel community is dangerous, it is incomplete, and it is misleading. Last week, we talked about how rugged American individualism tends to just kind of fall apart when you talk about spiritual gifts. We, we talked about how that's not his design as we consider spiritual gifts. And, and already, I've shared two examples in this service of a spiritual gift, of the gift of mercy. In one example, I was, I was envious of this gift. I wanted it. And in the other example was someone who was like, ah, this gift, really? Really? This gift? who didn't think the gift was super valuable. Same gift. Here's the reality. We need each other. Not only will our gifts so often complement each other, which is incredible, but so often the people in our church are going to see the beauty of our gifts, of your gifts. They're going to see things that are, they find beautiful in a way that you can't even see in yourself. They're going to be able to see the way God is using. And there's going to be things in your life that you think, oh, that's just ordinary. And someone else is going to be like, no, brother, no, sister, that's extraordinary. That is beautiful. That is a gift. We're going to be able to call each other's gifts out. We need each other. So again, let me just say this. Any conversation about spiritual gifts that leads to isolation and and does not lead us to gospel community is dangerous. It's most likely incomplete and even misleading. You do not discover Or identify your spiritual gifts in a vacuum alone. 
you discover and identify your spiritual gifts in community. You do not exercise your spiritual gifts in a vacuum alone. You exercise your spiritual gifts in community. You are needed in your community, and you need a community. Let me put it like this. Um, A conversation about spiritual gifts is a conversation about community. A conversation about spiritual gifts is a conversation about community. And, And to have one without the other is unhealthy. It's, it's unhealthy. We're beginning to look at spiritual gifts now and over the next couple weeks. And what that means is we're going to begin to looking at commun- begin looking at community now and over the next couple weeks. So I want you to do something. I want you to take a quick moment and I want you to look around this room. Now, one head moved. Come on. Look around this room. I want you to make at least four people really uncomfortable. <laughs> Just find them. You got them. Make them uncomfortable. Let me ask you a question. Do you need anyone in this room? Does anyone in this room need you? If you just looked around this room and you think, I don't know. Uh, I'm disconnected right now. I, I, I don't know really. Hear me. The first step in determining your spiritual gifts, the first step in putting your spiritual gifts to use the first step, step in accomplishing all that God has set before us as his people in his church. The first step lies in you getting connected to the people you just looked at and made uncomfortable. Lies in you getting connected in gospel community so that you're able to love one another, serve one another, build each other up, um, Point people to Christ, that you're able to do all those things. You cannot do those things if you are in isolation. Do you need anyone in this room? My hope, my prayer is that your answer to that question is yes, and not in a weird, codependent kind of way, but in a healthy and God-honoring, interdependent kind of way. That through the power of the Spirit in our lives, we can rely on each other in true gospel community. Um, Really, self-sufficiency is just a nicer and more socially acceptable way to say selfishness. When you think about your church, you being self-sufficient is just a nicer, more socially acceptable way of you saying, no, I I want to be selfish. Because people need you. And you need them. And this is the way that God has created us. First and foremost, you and I need Christ. (laughs) We need, we were reliant on him, the power of his cross and power of his spirit. You and I need Christ. But second, you and I need each other. We need community. Another way to say this is you and I need the gospel, and you and I need the community that has been shaped by the gospel. You need them both. We were designed for both. And this is why it's so important that you're connected to a community. It's so important that you know and are known by others. 
This is the fertile ground. Community is the fertile ground from which your spiritual gifts grow up. That is, you belong here. You are needed here. You have a purpose here. And so Paul, in these final two verses this morning, says it again so clearly in verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This text is a beautiful call to diversity, not division. To unity, not uniformity. Gospel community, not isolation. This text is a beautiful reminder that you are a part of something. As we talk about spiritual gifts, this is a reminder you are part of something and you are needed here. God has designed you to be used. You are a gift to your church. And it's in this understanding that we're able to see our spiritual gifts the way God has intended us to see them. That they are a part of his plan, for his glory, and for their good. For the common good. Let's pray. Lord, you promised to build your church and we believe you. We trust you, we know, we understand that you intend, you actually intend to use us as you build your church. Lord, so we come to you with the heart of Isaiah saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, here I am, use me. Here we are, use us. God, would you begin to convict us of the ways that we are attempting to be self-sufficient? And would you begin to convict us of the ways that we are pursuing uniformity? Would you forgive us? We are sinners in need of your grace and mercy, and we thank you for your mercy and your faithfulness that are new each and every morning. So God, would you continue to speak? Would you continue to move in us, continue to show us the ways that you desire to use us for your glory, for their good? And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.